and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here once again, another week in the books here on the Out Sports Podcast Network. And we uh, this week's show um, is going to be a little different. Um, than what we had planned. Originally, the plan was to uh, run through AEW's latest pay-per-view event, uh, Double or Nothing, which happened on this uh, past Saturday. Um, Which, you know, by all accounts, uh, myself included, it was a great show. Um, A lot of stellar in-ring action. um, You know, really very few low points I would say um, the stadium stampede was a breath of fresh air um, in a pro wrestling world that continues to be affected um, visually and uh, philosophically, really, uh, by the pandemic. Um, But something else happened that honestly takes precedent over Double or Nothing, and that would be the the death of Hanukkah um, if you don't know Hanukkah, she was being positioned as one of the top faces for uh, Stardom, a probably the top women's uh, wrestling promotion in Japan, probably the most popular Joshi promotion um, in the world at the moment. Um, and then you add that on top of her international fame for being a cast member on the very popular reality series uh, Terrace House. So her her death um, by apparent uh, suicide really sent huge shockwaves through um, international communities, um, especially the pro wrestling community, this past weekend. And um, there's a lot to unpack. You know, obviously the first question is why, and and not I doubt any of us will ever be able to answer that question for sure, but I wanted to talk about Hanukkah's, you know, career and go beyond just uh, the cyberbullying aspects of of this story and really focus on other things that could have um, likely impacted this situation. This is a very unfortunate situation that befell um, Hanukkah and... um, so I think that a conversation between um, myself and um, L.B. Hunktears, the uh, editor for FanFight uh, over on uh, FanBite.com, I think that um, that conversation is one that really needs to be had. Um, much more than just the same pay-per-view review show that a lot of other... Um, podcasts and places are talking about, um, because there's much more to this than just uh, social media bad actors, and um, this is a tough one, um, and, and, and it's a long one, I'll be frank up front, but it's a conversation that needs to be had, and I'm glad that we were able to have it here on this show. Um, I will go ahead and be upfront. content warning, there is explicit discussion of um, suicide and other uh, mental health issues. So, um, yeah. This one was difficult. Um. 
What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the ring. Um, this week, it's a, a bit of a somber topic, but a topic that needs to be discussed um, with the uh, the passing of Hanakamura capping off a um, pretty somber week in the world of pro wrestling uh, last week. But there's so much more than, than what has been discussed in terms of like what might have or what could have played into some of uh, what happened with Hanakamura's situation. Um, and I really wanted to have that discussion with someone who can, can speak to that in some way. And I think that a, a really great person to have that conversation with is my guest this week. Um, they are the editor of fan fight at Fanbyte, which is one of the, best wrestling uh sections of a vertical going today i will say it's always super interesting over there um one lb hunk tears how are you doing today lb i am doing okay thank you so much for having me brian how are you doing i i'm doing better <laughs> i'm not i'm not <laughs> gonna lie question to ask right now especially like after this last week in wrestling and like in this moment in history of how are you yeah, it's always just like ah, everyone does. I mean, it's like everybody already has their own like complications with like this, yeah. the the pandemic situation, and then just to have everything that happened this past week is just off. And and I'm not gonna lie, like I've I've really struggled since learning about the the passing of Hanakamura. Um, yeah. just based off of the the circumstances around it. Obviously, um, for those that aren't aware, Hanakamura uh, was a top name in uh, stardom over in japan uh and also a star on the uh japanese reality show uh terrace house which streams internationally on netflix so that show basically boosted her up into international stardom in some ways um but she uh reportedly took her own life um over the weekend and yeah, it, it's it's struck a chord with a lot of people, with not just in pro wrestling, but um, much further beyond it. And a lot of what played into that decision for her um, to take her own life uh, has been traced back to um, cyberbullying based off of a situation that happened on Terrace House, um, where basically her wrestling gear that she wore at the Tokyo Dome whenever she made history on the dark match before Wrestle Kingdom this past year. Um, got mixed up in the wash. It got shrunken. She got upset at the, at the man that did it and um, knocked his hat off of his head. And that kind of like cast her within the show as a villain, per se. It just, it does, all it did was spark a bunch of online hate from fans of the show. Um, that sent her and, and she noted that as well in some of her um, social media posts prior to everything happening you know she was saying that she was receiving like over a hundred um, pieces of hate mail and and death threats a day so and that was for months at a time um, I guess with all of that I'm I'm, I'm curious um, LB what were your what was your initial reaction whenever you heard oh, God, the I'm news devastated yeah uh yeah um yeah i am uh i feel like i mean nobody responds well to these kind of untimely deaths nobody responds well to especially 
what is probably a suicide. Um, but I feel like especially as when you're, this is like as queer and gender weird and people in these like populations, I feel like everybody, like I'm always, a, there's so many people in my life who I care about who have killed themselves, have been very close to killing themselves, um, that it's just like this constant thing and this constant like threat of everyone I love. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was completely devastated. I cried for a really long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. No, I, I... I'm right there with you yeah. on, on that. Um, especially like speaking to like the, the communities that, that we're in, you know, like that's something that we've seen other people struggle with a lot. Um, people that are, we're close to, you know, sometimes ourselves. Yeah. It, it does hit it's, it hits in not great ways. Like, especially with Hannah Kimura and stardom and the people I watch stardom with, are so predominantly like, I mean, I understand that stardom is, if your audience, if you're not familiar with it, stardom is a Japanese women's wrestling company that is uh, very, like, that is very geared towards like kind of a heterosexual male gaze, I would say. But there's like, I, the community of people I watch that with are not those people. <laughs> um so it's like the people so the people i bond with about like loving hannah kimura and you know getting into stardom and hannah kimura was one of the you know when i got into stardom she was in um oedo tai and when i was like falling in love with kagetsu who was the leader at the time and you know and chris wolf and this like very specific group of people who i just like immediately fall in love with um and the people I know who all responded to that all pretty much have like very similar histories uh, with struggling with mental health and, you know, good and bad feelings about eventually like settling in very good feelings about, you know, gender and sexual identity. And so the fact like that we're all, all of us kind of like having this just horrible moment together on I guess it was was it Friday night or Thursday night? Uh, it was like this probably like Friday. See, it yeah. was like Friday, like early Friday, like into the evening. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was awful. It was awful. Um, I'm still really miserable about it. Um, and uh, which is why I agree. Which is why I like I don't usually talk about stuff that's serious because I'm a very like dour person. Um. So I tend to bring like a lot of seriousness into stuff when I talk about things that I think are funny. So when I get really serious, it gets often like too much. So I try to avoid it. But like this, I couldn't not. I, I like had to. Sorry, I'm, I'm yammering there a little bit. Um, no, you're perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, It's just it's awful. It's it's awful and sad. And I am angry <laughs> about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have been feeling very similar emotions about everything. Um, there's a there is a lot of anger, but, and um, some of that really kind of kind of goes back to me to um, 
this last year that she had in stardom. Yeah. Because like while yes, like she was really introduced to the world as part of Oerotai, you know, basically the legacy of her mother, um she really had begun to carve out a place within stardom for herself. And and one that with the establishment of Tokyo Cyber Squad that really spoke to this idea of the island of misfit toys. <laughs> It really totally. spoke, yes yeah like this this really spoke to this idea of like finding a place for everyone who identifies as however they are like what whoever they are like they have a spot here like everyone's welcome i remember yeah. that being like one of the main things that really like was said in in tokyo cyber squad promos like everybody's welcome um and to see like someone who was willing to put themselves out there in that way um and really try and be that voice within within current day Joshi, um, it it hurts even more. Yeah. God damn it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is yeah. This is not an easy conversation to ever have, and no. especially like I don't know, setting out to like like okay, let's make some sense of this. Let's talk responsibly about this. It's like. I've been getting really frustrated with people on social media because I I have my very specific ways of grieving, um, which are like a five stage anger process uh, instead of like one stage of anger. Mm-hmm. I do like I just keep the anger going all five stages, um, and not everybody does that. So <laughs> I get very frustrated when I see people being like you know trying to make sense of things that aren't the way I do it because I'm in my rage spot. Uh, but yeah, it's uh. I mean, the response, I guess, I mean, initially that she had done these really frightening kind of self-harmy, um, she, she posted some graphic images of self-harm and these messages that, that you alluded to where she talked about the, you know, hundreds of critical messages she was getting every day and, uh, you know, and those got deleted and, uh, my Twitter feed was pretty much like filled with people like sending her encouraging messages and fan art and, you know, telling her to ignore the haters and how amazing she is. And then kind of by the end of the day, I had uh, disengaged and uh, yeah, it, it turned out that she had died shortly after making those posts. Um, and the response online was again like this very like loving sad but i don't know what did you think about the response that people so i i won't lie i was part of that initial wave of like just basically like saying the i guess the stock line now is like look at exactly the power toxicity can have and the be kind you know that sort of thing I, I was part of that initial wave because, like, I think that was just the first reaction that many, many people had whenever yeah. they found out the circumstances around her death. You know, um, that being said, though, that's a great starting point. That's not where this conversation can end. And I know that, you know, I being in the wrestling sphere, I think, like, I, of course, listen to like a ton of podcasts. I listen, to, I read a bunch of stuff, and so much of the discourse around this has really gotten up to the point of we need to take a look at how social media impacts mental health and how we and how social media can we can like look at a better way to not necessarily curate but 
identify bad actors and really take a stance against um, against hate speech through these channels. Or even like I, the one thing that really like it was a good message, but maybe not the 100% correct one was all the people saying, like, just block it, just block people. Just this is this is your this is another lesson of, to just say that you just need to block anybody who is th- is throwing out these sort of um, hate messages towards you. And I totally understand that, and I totally support that, you know. But that's not where these conversations can end. There's so many other things that played into this, and it it really got me frustrated um, to see the conversation stopping there and not yeah. going beyond it. And also like some of the, the tribute stuff. Um, and I'm not going to lie, double or nothing. Um, Excalibur. I, I love Excalibur to death. And I thought that his, his message was very heartfelt. Um, but I do not need to hear people continually talk about how like highlight the fact that she was so young whenever this happened. And that was, makes this even more of a tragedy. It's already a fucking tragedy. <laughs> You know, and then also you're saying all this on the same show where I constantly have to hear Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross talk about how hot the Jacksonville cheerleader, Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders are. It's a very, it was a very weird thing. It was a very weird vibe at Double or Nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watching Double or Nothing was a weird fucking experience yeah. at all uh, after this um, with my like, you know, trauma brain time distortion I was, I was dealing with. <laughs> To the point that, yeah, when they started talking about it, I, I got it was a very dissociative little moment for, for me, which is yeah. fun when you're, you know, watching something to uh, write about. But yeah, the thing with like the thing with suicide, the thing and the thing with public suicide, with you know, the suicide of a public figure is that I mean, with any with any of them, but when when people are trying to make sense of it, which is what, always what happens. I've, I've lost, you know, like having lost people to suicide in my life, I, that's what I end up doing for a lot of my time afterwards is trying to make sense of like, okay, you know, why did this happen? How did this happen? And there's never a simple answer. There's never one answer because it's for a human being to take their own life. A human being is an incredibly complicated you know, combination of a million different things. Um, the number of factors that need to be there, the number of things that need to fail you for you to get there are too many for a pithy tweet or a, a nice soundbite on a pay-per-view or even an in-depth conversation <laughs> Um, especially when you're talking about somebody you don't know and you don't know personally, especially when you're talking about someone whose life you see part of and you see a very specific part of their life that they are, that's a commodity, um, that it's, that's content that they are making for you to consume, um, to get, so you have the feeling that you know them when you don't, it's, so there is like I'm not I I also was like on the kindness train and I think it is really important to be kind and to be you know thoughtful about what other people are going through that everyone is a human being that everybody is a complicated you know 
mess of a million different things happening all the time. That everyone's as complicated and weird and human as you are. That's everyone should remember that. Absolutely. Um, and social media can be really, really, really harmful. But I also think that one, you can never blame one, you could never blame a suicide on one thing. And two, I feel like we see, I've seen this happen. We've all seen this happen before to young, often young um, women in entertainment, or at least women in entertainment who start out really young. Um, and it predates social media. And it's its own, while social media contributes, there's also this its own other monster. And you know what? Not even just women. Um, there's, uh, I forgot the name of the guy in Shiny, that uh, K-pop band who committed suicide. Um, it just like, mm. There are elements of celebrity culture, especially these forms of celebrity culture, where you have these very, very, very impossible expectations of behavior and goodness placed on you that are very difficult, I think, to live with. And I just talked for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, but you were I mean, fine. Yeah, I. that's kind of that's what frustrated me about the conversation, I guess, is the same thing that frustrates me every time somebody kills themselves, which is there, if you want, okay, we do want this, we want this to not happen again, but to do that is a huge undertaking. Mm -hmm. And usually one that, you know, is really too heavy for a lot of people, whether it's be, whether it be, you know, their own emotional, um, connections their own mental health issues you know that it's not necessarily a, it's not a job for for everybody to solve no. you know and and honestly like it's probably not even like a job for for us to really try and like like you said earlier like it's not really necessarily our job to try and find out or, or wrap our heads around why because you know we won't ever know truly why but there are constructs and there are like issues that can be definitely looked at that can be addressed to hopefully keep situations like this um from happening right you know so oh lord yeah sorry right. yeah. I, I mean yeah it's the matter of things like safety nets right like that if somebody is in a place psychologically where a bunch of online hate could push them over the edge. They should probably not be on a reality show. Or that reality show that is portraying them and that is editing their actions and spinning things for other purposes of entertainment should be cognizant of the you know psychological state of the people they're doing that with. That seems like a basic I mean like I, I don't know a ton about reality TV, but it seems like that's like, uh, you know, a psych, psych evaluations and ch check-ins are like, at least should be standard parts of them. I mean, you would think that, but I don't really know of many that like actively tout that they do that. Like Shit. I haven't, 
there's not, I don't know of any shows off the top of my head that make sure that they like are very out there in front of the public saying like, well, we make sure that our people have access to mental health care while some of the stuff is going on, which is really frustrating considering how like the machine of reality TV really preys off of people's emotional um, issues and and really like, and, and can just enhance those issues tenfold um in many ways i mean the one difference and I, we'll speak to terrace house with with this now because i think that that's really the, the next logical step here is okay. um because terrace house is a is a um it's an interesting case to look at um one as the show itself and two why hana was even there in the first place um so terrace house it's basically it's been described basically as a reality show about nothing because it's very like it's very um mundane in its presentation and in that way it kind of hypnotizes you um it's basically just three single women three single men in in japan they live in a house together and it's all about like finding love so that they go on dates and they and they um talk about who their crushes are while they also like go do their daily jobs and do their daily stuff. It's not like they're all confined to the house for the entire time. And also on the show, they it's not like big brother, big brother where they are basically shielded from the outside world, no mm-hmm. internet contact or anything. They're able to see social media reaction to themselves while their seasons are still airing. Okay. Yeah, so there's not like that that division that is in place in a lot of uh, Western reality television. Um, right. So, but the one key similarity is that while the show itself doesn't really like hype up these uh, or present these hyper dramatic situations all too often, um, there is a group of commentators on the show right. that regularly critique. Um, the people in the house and their actions and how they're in their interactions with other people and, and that sort of thing. And that's where I think some of the more cringy parts of the show come for me. Um, especially there's one commentator there. I can't, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but he basically, he spoke to uh, a media outlet about the show and his role on it, basically saying that he is the cynical commentator he is the one that will like, like critiques um, others for like their their choice and crush or like their decisions or blah 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 and like he th- finds there's more drama in that so he hypes that up, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Western reality television does. Um, yeah. Except they don't have a person, a tangible person on camera speaking those things directly to the audience in that way, and that's. That was one thing with Terrace House that really it it seems like having people on the show there directly to critique the people in the house really um, emboldens people to lash out their own criticisms. And as much as I can make fun of someone just calling themselves the cynical commentator on a reality show, at least that person probably has the wherewithal to have some nuance right. to what he says, as opposed to the people online who really don't hold things back um yeah so couple that with some um light racial stuff going on in terms of um you know with i don't know i don't remember seeing anything specific to hana's um 
ethnicity, you know, with her being um, half Indonesian and half Japanese. But I know that in previous seasons there have been some issues with like I think there's like a half a half American, half Japanese um, person on the show at one point who basically social media just railed on her, um, and a lot of that kind of tailed back to this this um, idea of purity, right? Which is very prevalent in Japanese culture, um, as we'll, I'm sure we'll get to. Um, with topics down the line, what, hearing all of that though, because I know, like you said, you haven't really watched Terrace House, you don't know much about it. Hearing that, how does that like play with your the ideas of like what what factored into the situation? I mean, either I mean, regardless of like how the presentation is, um, I mean, I'd, I'd read up on kind of what happened and uh, like mm-hmm. the format of the show, and I've watched other people watch it on social media. Um, I I still kind of maintain that, yeah, like no matter what kind of reality show you're on, if it's a social reality show, if it's a competition reality show, if you're on, you know, Top Chef or Big Brother or Drag Race or whatever, like you are opening yourself up or you're not, you're not not opening yourself up. The creators of the show are opening you up to criticism and abuse and they need to take a certain amount of responsibility for making sure you're okay. I feel like there's this, like, yeah, no matter what country you're in, no matter what it, like what the deal is, if it's on TV or online or whatever, the people who are putting this thing together and profiting off of it, like have a, have a responsibility to the, their workers, the same as any other, you know, work scenario to make sure that it's a safe working environment. And if social media is part of the job, which I would argue for a performer, especially a wrestler reality star, uh, you know, with a little bit, you know, their stardom is like not quite an idol company, but it's a very idol inspired vibe, which means that yeah. there's like certain expectations about interactions and, performer presentation and stuff social media is a really big part of it so yeah the people those people then have a certain amount of responsibility to help make sure that the social media part of your job is safe um i mean the same as the people who run the social media sites should have a responsibility to make sure that we're all safe on there uh which they don't do ever (laughs) so yeah no they don't um Yeah, I'm pretty much the the same as I was. Uh, it just seems really irresponsible to me to not be checking in like that and keep it, you know, keeping an eye on people. And I know that there's, you know, d- different cultures have very different relationships with uh, talking about mental health and talking about, or you know, seeking therapy or getting counseling. Um, but regardless, I feel like there is, de- de- you know, depression and suicide are not new concepts to anyone anywhere in the world. So that's I don't I don't know really how much like the cultural difference thing can be and can be used as an excuse on their end. No, honestly, I, there's no reason why that should be used yeah. as an excuse. Um, like we know that that the cat's out of the bag. Yeah. when it comes to suicide and and that sort of thing so yeah um 
I I am curious to get your thoughts though. Right before we went um, to record this show, um, and news broke that Fuji TV, um, the production company behind Terrace House, uh, is canceling the rest of the current season. Oh, I mean, you'd have to. Yeah, um, they announced that. obviously due to everything and they're being a little mum on whether future seasons are going to be filmed or not Um, the show had already been on hiatus because of covid obviously but um but yeah so apparently netflix is saying that they're still going to keep the current the seasons that are already been uploaded to their service up but um this current season which included the episode with the incident that kind of spurned all of this with hana um will not be coming to netflix Um, so yeah yeah. so i mean that in some way like uh, yeah like you said it's an obvious decision like i'm surprised that it took them this long to get to that point um but there there's no way you could have kept going no you can't i mean especially can you imagine being that guy Mm, yeah like that's I I hope all of those people are are are, are I hope those people are at least getting some support now because that is a horrifying ex- thing to experience. Um, and being the kind of last you know being a, a recent person to have conflict with somebody who ends up taking their own life, if, even if I mean obviously Hannah Kimura did not take her own life because this guy you know fucked up her laundry, but when you're that guy. And you have to sit with this. Like that is a very that's a very hard thing to wrap your head around. Um hmm. so yeah. It's very easy to let guilt. Oh my god, yeah. And and, and that's the, and the like, you know, all, all of that, like, oh, if I had done this, like if I had done this differently, if I had reached out at this point, if I had said this differently, or used this wording, or if uh, I have I have a lot of these. Uh <laughs> yeah. <with> my, like <laughs> yeah uh so like i one of the reasons i got into pro wrestling uh was because i was grieving uh two loved ones who committed suicide in the same year and um so it's a very like we like really a bad choice of a thing to get into uh due to like to get over grief uh but at least the grief association isn't a new one i don't know um it's yeah i'm very suffice to say i'm very glad they're not continuing the season uh and i really really hope that they the people who the other you know contestants or whatever they're called uh are getting some support in this yeah Yeah. oh sorry i mean no i was just uh, i i was just agreeing with myself (laughs) (laughs) oh no yeah i mean i'm i'm right there with you i know that they're basically her housemates on the show have all been out vocally on social media, like, you know, offering condolences and, and their own like words of, of pain and sorrow with what happened. Um, you know, and, and the thing is though, like this isn't the first time this sort of stuff has happened with, with Tara's house. Right. Um, can, I guess contest, we'll go with contestants for right now. Sure. Um, so like, it's like, there have been, you know, multiple people who have received, um, Maybe not the same level of of hate messages, but a comparable level. It doesn't even matter. Any level of hate message is is terrible, 
So like like and and it's definitely pushed some people's um, mental health to the edge as well. Yeah. Um, for, specifically with the show, so it's very it's I'm it's interesting to see that um, you know those services hadn't been in place. Um, yeah. and and honestly, I don't know. They might have. They they might not have. There's no been no ad- admission of, of that. But right. you would hope that knowing the history of the show, it's been on since 2012, they know that the show can negatively impact the people that are on it. Right. They should have these sort of things in place. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter when I was doing one of my late night deciding I was going to talk about this moments um, that I've had in the last week. But I mean, for this to happen, you have to, there need to be multiple failures. There need to be like there yeah somebody has to have been failed on multiple levels right so you need to have your and i'm not i'm about like when i list these things it's uh in no way like a complete list of support systems people should have it's not a list of everybody who is to blame um that's not what this is and I'm, i'm not interested in like placing blame on anybody as much as I am like in making sense of how this works and how this happens. And hopefully like, I guess opening up a conversation about imagining better systems, better ways of communicating with each other so that this doesn't happen more. Um, But you need to have, your kind of social support system, your family, your loved ones, your friends, right? Uh, You need to, and to engage with that support system, those are the people who often like end up blaming themselves the most. Uh, But it's, it is, you know, there is a, the person in question like does need to be able to ask those people for help. There's that. Mm -hmm. There's, the work thing which we've talked about and which if i'm going to be placed blame on anybody i kind of like am more inclined not to place blame but to say there's a i don't think that i don't think that that you know our loved ones are necessarily responsible for our lives unless they are directly putting us in danger i would say that the producers of terrace house directly or indirectly put hannah Kamari in danger there's that support system that failed. There's the kind of just general mental health, healthcare infrastructure level that failed. And I don't know what, to what extent, like, I don't know how healthcare works in Japan. I don't know how mental healthcare works in, you know, within the healthcare system. I don't know if she was in therapy. I don't know if she was on medication. But I'm just saying that these are all things that should be there to stop this from happening. Right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I just want to, like, I want to like say this up, but I also want to be fair here and not, mm-hmm. you know, not be less like sound like I'm lashing out at, again, it's all these circumstances that I don't know the details of, but yeah. yeah. I just, I guess my thing, part of it is I keep thinking, like, I kept thinking about China, the wrestler. Hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, 
because like one of the things that like Hannah Kimura said in one of these last posts was that she you know she just wanted to be loved and like having looked at like the deets like a lot of the details of like the last years of China's life and like actually the entirety of her life and her career that just sense of just like really 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 wanting to be loved and being loved by a fan base in a way that doesn't fulfill that need hmm. and i've just been sitting with that for the past few <laughs> days um because china's death is another is like this one that i will never get over probably um yeah. but and again, one that involved like a lot of desperate, scary social media posting right beforehand. Um, where, I mean, and I, so I do think that like, I don't want to underplay the presence of social, like the relevance of social media to this. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that it's more complicated than just a matter of cyberbullying. Because it's also there's something here to do with the way our expectations of what social media does and particularly our expectations of what social media needs to do while we're all isolated like this. So hmm. we can't go out and, and see the people we care about. We can only kind of rely on these digital removed forms of socializing. So like, I don't know if this, like, if this would have happened if it weren't, if, you know, people weren't in quarantine and if she'd been able to, like, go s see people she cared about. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there that definitely factors in. You know, I feel it like... Has to be, right? Yeah. I mean, there, even if, you know, like, just being able to actually have more of a feeling that you can reach out to people yeah you know like even if because you can be like the most solid one of the most like super solitary like very much just like i a homebody like stay inside even outside of quarantine but there's something about whenever like this these orders are in place yeah that just makes like it amplifies that feeling so that that feeling of loneliness and separation so much more that it definitely it definitely factored into it right. um you know and like it makes you think like would she have resorted to social media to yeah. like basically put out like the the warning signs um with everything um, instead of like actually feeling like she could reach out to somebody that could come over or that the, they can meet somewhere just to be out of the situation where she's by herself and with herself and like all these like negative, these negative influences. Yeah. Because I've definitely like been, I think, I mean, one reason why I, I didn't see a bunch of stuff. I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't find out right away, partially because I had left Twitter for the day. Um, I've been trying to like spend less time on social media just because the constant, like, just never-ending stream of shit on there is not good for my brain <laughs> so like yeah yeah having to be stuck with that and then just getting harassment and hate and 
you know, disgusting, cruel shit, you know, as a response to every single thing you say on there on top of it. Like it's unimaginable. It's unimaginable. Um, So yeah, I, like I said, I don't want to underplay that aspect here. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to clarify that like, you can't ever blame one thing and you can't ever say we've learned. Well, now we know. Now we know to be nice, so it's all solved. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we can we can implore people to be civil and be nice all we want, but it's a matter of are the right people hearing that message and is it actually being internalized? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, and there's other things that have to be addressed to make that easier for them to internalize that message. I think. Um, yeah. And it kind of speaks to like going back to Tara's house and the whole reason why Hannah was on the show to begin with. Um, you know, I don't know this 100% for sure, but reports were that she was on the show at the behest of stardom. Right. Because like, they, this was like about uh, roughly a year or so before the Bushy Road deal or like less than a year, like right uh, very close to the Bushy Road deal finalized. For the sale of the company and um basically and then they were they're positioning uh hana to be one of the top uh faces of the company going forward you know um i think it was her and julia and mayu watani mm-hmm. like the the three main ones um heading into this new era of stardom um but like you said earlier like stardom as a wrestling company is somewhat connected and born out of this idol culture um in japan well i mean in some ways it's complicated to talk about this stuff because you look at the history of idol culture and you look at the history of uh joshi wrestling and you don't really get the boom you don't get the joshi boom without idol culture Hmm. um so rossi ogawa who's now i guess the like top producer of stardom but used but used to be just the guy who ran the whole company um he was a he was somebody who worked with all japan women's pro wrestling which was the big joshi promotion in the 70s 80s and early 90s um he was i believe a big part of the success of the Crush Gals, which was uh, Chigusa Nagayo and Linus Asuka's tag team that kind of created the huge, 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 huge boom in popularity for Japanese women's pro wrestling in the 1980s. And part of that strategy to make, to, you know, to get them to be popular was having them record albums and do concerts and do commercials and they had this very 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 squeaky clean image um like i guess the big difference between then and now is that that was very 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 targeted to like teen girls um and they were a tag team so but other than that like it was i, I don't think you could date if you were in all japan uh women's if you were in all Japan Women's. Uh, yeah. All Japan's a different company that is <laughs> slapping each other really hard in the chest. Uh, but you couldn't date. 
you had there were very stringent requirements on what you looked like and while a lot of people looked really really cool so like you know bull nakano and aja kong like two badass like punk looking heels bull nakano had to eat was forced to eat much much more food than she was comfortable eating to maintain the weight that she was at uh, at the height of her popularity um so if you look at her now like she's much smaller not because of like a conscientious weight loss but just because that that's more what her body was meant to look like which is hard like that's really tough to wrap my mind around as somebody who loves this stuff who loves this who, who you know i love watching those matches all japan women's pro wrestling is what got me in love with japanese wrestling um and chigusa nagayo hasn't I haven't seen her talk a ton about what that was, what it was like to be that big of a deal, but that can't be good for you um, on like a human level to be idolized like that and to be held to this impossible standard of goodness. Um, and she was like, I think ended up being really lucky in that she was able, she was so popular that she was able to start her own company that had very different, uh, which was Gaia, uh, which had very different requirements about at least on an aesthetic level of what a performer could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I think, you know, stardom wrestlers, I believe are able to date, but, and I think the control over their lives and isn't as stringent as it was, but I mean, that's Rossi Ogawa's company. He was, it, it's using very, it uses similar types of promotion techniques and yeah, it's like, again, I'm not placing blame on stardom. I'm not placing blame on Rossi Ogawa, even if he does seem like kind of a creepy guy to me. Um, But there is this element of expectation of these performers that are above and beyond what I think is reasonable to expect from human beings who are doing their job. entertain you yeah yeah i i completely agree uh, it's, it's that connection to to all japan pro or, or all japan women's um there's always i think i've had the same conflictions about that company as as you um yeah. because like we don't get some of the legends of this industry without that company yeah and but at the same time like we're talking about a company that like forced wrestlers to retire at age like 26 or 27 yeah. because they thought that they were like that they, they had they were done they were used up. yeah yeah too old um like this it still had this this approach of um these people as a commodity which is not foreign to pro wrestling as a whole you know i think every right. pro wrestling like major pro wrestling company has that mindset to an extent um, when looking at their rosters, but it, it took on such a different connotation with with all Japan, and you know the, it's interesting to look at sort of like the timeline there because like as all Japan women's is um, kind of falling out into the mid '90s is whenever you start to see like a lot of the financial struggles for the country, yeah, as a whole, and then also a renewed focus on 
combat sports is like this is where pride comes out of you know like in and this sort of also another resurgence of um you know some of the better years of of all japan pro wrestling a, a resurgence with new japan and then a resurgence with um with joshi as well um and, and a lot of it does get tied back to the booming entertainment industry, which really the backbone of it was idols um, for much of that time. And and while that culture does not always intersect in the same way with pro wrestling, it's you cannot deny that there are issues where <laughs> there are similar issues that they face. Right. Um, and that there are similarities in in their approach to entertainment there as well. I mean, you still see remnants of it now. Like, you know, Hana Kimura made her, like, shortly after signing with Stardom, made her debut at Madison Square Garden at the G1 Supercard last year. Mm-hmm. And literally, like, in the intro to that match, you had uh, Oedo Tai, uh, Kagetsu, and, um, oh God, why is her name blanking? I don't know. I missed that match because I uh, I was late. As he gets a tag team partner, oh god, uh, was Hazuki. it Hazuki? Was it Hazuki? It was Hazuki. It was Hazuki. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. I blanked anyway, but like you had, you still had um, Kigetsu and Hazuki out there doing the traditional Oado Tai dance before the match, yeah, started. And so, like, there's still elements there, even in current day stardom. Sorry, I'm losing my point here. Oh, uh, God. That there are elements of idol, yeah. idol culture and idol entertainment that still remain in uh, Joshi stuff today. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to make this too much a thing about, like, specifically Japanese wrestling and specifically Japanese idol culture. Because I do think, like, um, you see a lot of the same stuff here in the United States uh that you that one thing that i guess holds that you know all wrestling companies all wrestling cultures everywhere can bond over is that they kill their talent young or too early so i guess we we can all be held together by that fucking miserable fact um that yeah that people aren't treated that people's safety and well-being aren't considered uh as much as they should that there aren't support structures in place like unions, like pension plans uh, that protect wrestlers from having to do things they don't necessarily want to do or that they shouldn't do that aren't safe. Yeah. I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, I have a lot of very strong opinions about this. Mm. And I mean, this happening, the, the, you know, the Hanukkah thing happening the same week as the anniversary of Owen Hart's death was made it you know a fucking it was just it was just hard not to think about i guess um like the extent to which wrestlers are dehumanized by their bosses by the fans um seeing people arguing about seeing people one arguing that owen hart should be in the hall of fame you know regardless of his widow's desire to not you know give his give her husband's murderers a pass on that um because of i don't know wrestling fans own sense of entitlement Mm. like really hits home how much even the people who love wrestlers dehumanize wrestlers and think of wrestlers as their property 
um, and feel, and I think that sense of entitlement is comes from this. It's the same when you're talking about, you know, well, we need Owen Hart in the WWE Hall of Fame, a thing that doesn't fucking exist. Uh, it's not a place. You can't go there. Um, when you're saying that, or when they're saying like, well, you know, Hanum Kumura, you should be a hot, delicate, gentle girl and not get mad when your laundry gets fucked up. You're a monster. I am entitled to a specific kind of behavior from you, and you aren't delivering on, on that. So I am going to be disgusting to you that all seems like a very similar mindset to me um <clears throat> so when i talk about idol culture i'm also just talking about that sense of mm-hmm. like entitlement to a specific kind of behavior and specific kind of demeanor yeah and i mean that speaking to idol culture itself like it kind of um it basically feeds into that mindset yeah in some ways especially like i know that since bushy road bought stardom they've been out there saying that they were trying to move away from the um basically the the long merch line model of yeah. of making money for for their wrestlers but at the same time that like the the that sort of setup where basically the majority of the women wrestling for stardom were making their money off of selling merch and and meeting fans at these meet and greets after shows um that's something that is prevalent throughout oh, yeah. idol culture and in a way that you know gets can get fairly unnerving very quickly um it's weird have you gone to have you ever gone to an all uh, like a women's wrestling show where the only the only wrestlers there were women um i have not uh, like i came close there was a uh, in portland here there's a company doa that ran a women's tournament but they had mm-hmm. um a tag team title match with men as like in between okay. uh the semifinals and finals so majority yeah. so majority did you find the vibe like the, specifically the audience vibe was different than uh a show with more that's more mixed or more male or was it, or is it like kind of like a chill enough company and like Portland's that it just kind of felt normal? Well, I will say this: there's definitely like there was, there's this one fan who likes to go to DOA shows who is always very vocal and like she was there, she was very vocal. That's fine. That's just what she does. It's mm-hmm. not always the most like great stuff that she turtles out at the wrestlers, but like it's to be expected at a DOA show sometimes. Yeah. But I will say this, at that show, it was the only time where my partner and I uh, watched men taking pictures of female wrestlers' butts and constantly comparing, and just, it, it infuriated us. It infuriated us to the point that they what we, we, we contemplated possibly leaving um, yeah. or, or just saying something because these people were like two rows in front of us. That's so... And, yeah. yeah. Okay, so if you're if you, listener... Are familiar with the Hunk Tears vibe and the Hunk Tears brand. Um, me being grossed out by this may seem surprising to you. Uh, as somebody who went to a SmackDown show and spent an entire Lumberjack match staring at uh, the Revival's asses. Um, as somebody who has, you know, at, straight from a PWG show, posted an Instagram story that was <laughs> ricochet from behind with like a, the little eyeballs emoji looking at him. There's things called context. There's things called, there's a thing called power. There's a thing, there are different kinds of gazes one can have. And all this shit changes. 
there's a there's a vibe at women's wrestling shows that's so weird to me and so like unpleasant and gross that makes me often not want to go to them um because it is such a like and like i don't know i don't i don't think this makes me hypocritical i think i am a, a respectful person who understands my place in the power structures of desire Hmm. very well because i think about it constantly and if you don't do that work you don't get to take (laughs) pictures of wrestler asses (laughs) like if you have not spent years of your life struggling to understand your power where you where you sit in those power dynamics and in those structures like you don't get to do it i'm sorry it's a privilege not a right (laughs) it's where i stand on this uh i have been to women's wrestling shows that yeah where i just felt incredibly uncomfortable and to the point where i'm looking around at just dudes sitting there silently and watching intently with an energy that like made my skin crawl um and made me like want to huddle protectively around the you know handful of like girl children that were there who wanted to see rosemary from tna their favorite wrestler in the world (laughs) which again which on on like that vibe the vibe of like 11 year old girls losing their shit for rosemary was almost beautiful enough to counteract like the skeezy horny man energy so big shout out to those 11 year old girls uh and their rosemary standing uh i'm losing i'm completely losing the thread here but a big part of it's just like this thing it's this thing with women's wrestling that we joke about and i mean like the the classic uh virtual pros t-shirt uh 90s japanese women's wrestling not just for perverts anymore um yeah but like god the kid like the underage girl kiss cards at stardom are a real fucking problem for me Mm -hmm. am i I gonna say that hana kimura is dead today because she was you know sexualized as a teenager by weird old men no that's not a one in one equals two thing am i going to say it's a thing that happened to her and it was gross to me personally and i can't imagine how it could positively uh contribute to her sense of self-worth yeah i can say that i can say that confidently uh for those unaware uh, a kiss card is like a it's like a trading card right of a wrestler but the wrestler like puts lipstick on and kisses it and you can buy it from her and stardom has several wrestlers who are under the age of 18 um and they also sell them and that's gross to me yeah right there with you yeah on that yeah and like again i'm not a puritanical person as i said just less than an hour ago if you want to jack off to the ninja turtles that's fucking fine with me i don't care but that's gross the the kiss card thing is the you know underage girl kiss card thing is gross uh the and again i am somebody i am looking right now at my beautiful manami toyota photo book Mm. that is super horny um there's (sighs) 
it's just it's just complicated man i like i i don't know i struggle with this a lot this is like a thing i struggle with with stardom and with tokyo joshi pro that i don't struggle with with companies like sendai girls or uh marvelous yeah you know no i totally get it i mean those companies have put up definitely more of a, of a separation from from these cultural dynamics um and really don't engage with some of the, the the skeevier aspects of it you know i mean we're not we're only like two years removed from stardom actually starting a spinoff called stardom idols you there know you yeah so like granted that that went defunct fairly quickly but still like there is there's a definite correlation <laughs> between the two yeah and and you know the deeper you go into some of these things, especially when you get into like the, the underage members of the roster and, and like when I know like sometimes stardom shows, they'll have the, the underage trainees out there for like dark matches or opening matches, you know, and, like, yeah. and just knowing the, the median age of the audience members there um, and the majority of them being um, like middle-aged men or like, you know, just like, I don't know if it's a majority middle-aged man, but there's definitely like a, it, it's mostly men. And it's men a should... contingent are yes. on the older side or at yes. least adults. I would say we could, we could plainly say that it's mostly adults there. Yes. That that's a very, yes. Mostly adults, mostly yes. adult men there watching like 14 to, eight to 17 year old girls in wrestling matches um, the same way that they watch like Jungle Kyoto in a wrestling match. Um, the same very like unnerving gaze, you know. And that like, and like you said before, like your struggles with it. I struggle with it too. Like I struggle watching women's matches sometimes because like I don't want to be perceived as that person. Right. You know. I get like, a, I get a big pass here. I get mm. a big like. Uh you know, woman adjacent uh, privilege here mm-hmm. where I don't get to worry about it. But yeah, I completely like solidarity to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Lord. But yeah. And again, like, I don't want to, I don't want to make this specifically like a Japan thing because it is absolutely something I see in Los Angeles at women's wrestling shows. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's like a, it's a thing everywhere. Uh, but the the idol culture stuff definitely intersects with it in ways that I feel like empower it. Um, and that there are expectations. There's a different set of expectations of celebrities and of female celebrities there than there are here um, that are stricter in certain ways. I feel like probably less strict in other ways that I don't know about. But um yeah that make the that make this challenging and also like just to say that idol culture i i like i did make this a big i think gender is very relevant here but i do have to say like male idols don't have it don't get it much better it doesn't yeah uh, no you're not you're not wrong you're not yeah. wrong i just had a, a friend to me explain that one of the members of bts got like everyone's very angry with him because he's friends with the bisexual tattoo artist. Ah. Uh, 
So the worst sh- reason. Yeah, you know how could you? Yeah, Jen Cook, what have you done? <laughs> Such a betrayal. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, yeah, it's insane. Um, and like you look at, I don't know, like part of glo- part of the. It's cool that we were all brought together by this like global online fan culture. Um, and but also I feel like every regional culture is in our our we're kind of like sharing our worst aspects with each other mm-hmm. and creating this like global online nightmare mega culture. Yeah. It's, Sorry, no. Had to be a smarter way to say that. Uh, I mean, beyond me. It, it works. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not wrong. So. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, and and the, the really the best way to try and counteract some of the stuff is to really recognize, and this is I think what played into both of our frustrations with the conversation mm-hmm. online stopping at, you know, Twitter be better, is right. that. If you want to really make Twitter a better place, you have to address some of these cultural norms right. or these and, and, and these constructs that have basically made the situation that much harder for someone like Hanakamura right. to maintain a, a healthy mental state with everything going on around her. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and get yourself in a healthy mental state about her yourself. Yes. Understand who you are to her. Understand because we can say be kind, everybody's going through their own problems, blah, 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 blah. But you can say that without actually considering somebody a human being, truly. Like, it's unfortunately, like, an an aspect of our celebrity culture that I have struggled with, that we all struggle with, is that we are geared towards dehumanizing everybody all the time. So you need to do a lot of work internally to make sure you're not doing that. And it's hard. It's all hard. Um, So I think that, I guess we should probably try to come to some kind of conclusion, right? Uh, As best we can. It's like, we need to keep talking about this. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so do the work to remember that everybody's a human being and that you don't, they don't owe you anything yeah but also i think we need to have like the opposite almost uh response to the places we are giving our money to these companies that and i'm not just talking about wrestling companies or tv shows i'm talking about all of these everybody all of them everything that benefits off of fan culture and celebrity culture putting pressure on them to be better and to be provide safer work environments to the people who are putting themselves out there for us. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I mean, because like like we mentioned like much earlier in 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 our chat here, um, people have to have access to to these things, these services, to maintain themselves, um, and for whatever reason they might be denied them or they're not provided like that can't happen that it shouldn't have been happening you know so yeah 
I mean, yeah. really need to pay attention to the people that really set these situations up to be what they are and see and show them or force them to make these things better. Yeah. And I am not placing blame on any individual things, but I do think that, you know, Starlight Kid, who is freshly 18 and has been selling kiss cards to adult men for, I don't know, the last five years. I hope that she has access to therapy because that's got to fucking suck. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Which is a real bummer place to end this. Uh, so maybe, I don't know. Well, no. Well, I, I, have a, I have a better way to end it. Okay, good. Good. I have, I have a better way. Because I think we've come to a consensus. This conversation needs to keep happening. And it needs to be directed at the people that need to be listening to it. That yeah. That's a good place to, to land on that conversation right now. And I have no doubt that that conversation will continue to take place with people. And hopefully more people will get in on that conversation. But for this conversation... I think the best place to end is um, what will be Hanakamura's lasting, the lasting image of Hanakamura, the legacy of her for you coming out of all of this. I don't know. Um, hmm. Honestly, what I will try to have it be is not a single image because I feel like that is the most dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Um I will try to think of her as somebody. Sorry. Oh, it's, it's okay. Um, this is not the first time I've cried on a podcast. Uh, I will try to think of her as somebody who I got to watch change and grow as a performer, and somebody who had a life that had nothing to do with me and nothing to do with anything I knew about and hope that the next time something like this happens, someone has the opportunity to fuck. I don't know. Not, not have this happen. I don't want, I, yeah, this was, that was a very ineloquent answer. (laughs) Um, yeah, my lasting image. I would like my lasting image of Hannah Kimura to be of a human being who was dynamic and complicated and really talented and made me really happy. I guess. Hmm. How about you? <laughs> I mean, definitely along similar lines um, to you, I think. You know, I myself am guilty of letting wrestlers' humanity get lost. Oh, I you know, I do it all the time. Yeah, exactly. I think, like you said, we we all are. Um, so I feel like really, and I will say this: going back and and watching some of the early episodes of her on Terrace House, you get a much better idea of the person that she was, even in the manufactured setting of reality TV. You get much more like you see this person who truly had this like really bubbly personality to her. And this like you hear all the stories from people in wrestling that have interacted with her and just how like upfront, unabashed, like happy she was and like how she was just like the 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 light that brightened the room. You know, and you really see that 
more so than you saw of her in in the ring and and sometimes in in that show but at the end of the day no matter what tv screen you're watching her on you don't see everything and i think that's the best way to remember her is that you see you have these parts that you can latch on to but understand there's much more underneath yeah and and let this whole situation this like global bereavement for um for a pro wrestler let let it continue to inform you about how we look at the people in this industry and how we speak to um, the experiences of the people in this industry, you know? Um, also the message, I think the message of Tokyo cyber squad will also, I think be something that will stay with me because you don't get many um, wrestling factions <laughs> that are just all about making everyone feel welcome yeah. in something. And um, that, I think that, that speaks to her personality just as much um, in some ways. So I think that's a good, I think that's a lot. I think that's a good legacy to, to pick up. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, um, LB, thank you so much for, for coming on the show at the risk of sounding like glib. Um, where can people find you on this on the internet? <laughs> um, thank you so much bad. for having me. I'm sorry for crying on your podcast. You do uh, not ever have to apologize for that. <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter at Hunk Tears, um, which is literally happening right in right in your speakers at this moment. Um, you can find the site that I edit uh, at Fanbyte with a f-a-n-b-y-t-e dot com slash wrestling um yeah uh we publish all kinds of stuff there's if uh colette Aaron, who i believe you've had on before mm-hmm. uh did a great column on sunday about uh dead wrestlers and hannah kimura and owen hart and eddie guerrero like a lot of the kind of internal frustrations and moral questions of watching this thing that hurts so many people who make it um she did a great job with that and yeah um also a really really good piece um someone wrote uh about a, an independent wrestling company in washington dc and how uh, they're making a, a real like a real argument for statehood um really 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 recommend that one really good I stuff hear, i hear the writer is a uh, pretty keen yeah yeah very yeah. good, good reporting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Elby, thank you again for coming on the show. <laughs> thanks for having me. My thanks once again to um to LB for coming on the show. Um this, <laughs> this is not a, a easy conversation to have in any circle. Um yeah. It's probably something that's going to stick with a lot of us for a while, but um, as long as we come out of this with something to apply to ourselves and, and the industry that we love and just how to treat each other correctly and understand just how deeply rooted some of this stuff goes, like, yeah, please let this be a learning experience. Because this was avoidable. 
That being said, if you are considering suicide, um, LGBTQ youth, ages 24 and younger, you can reach out to the Trevor Project Lifeline at one 488 7386 um, Adults, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. It's 24 hours a day. Um, anybody of all ages or all identities, you can use that service there. And then specifically for trans or gender non-conforming people, you can reach out to the Trans Lifeline um, at 877-565- 8860. Um, also, if you're in the UK, um, another group that deals with um, suicide prevention, uh, Samaritans, that's a really good resource to reach out to. Um, you can find more information about them at uh, Samaritans.org. So, yeah, a lot of resources um, for anyone out there that's struggling with, with similar thoughts. Um, just know that there's there's someone for you there. Always is. Even in times of pandemic. Definitely. Well, this honestly might have been probably the most difficult episode to get through, but um, I'm really glad that we were able to have that conversation. And um, I know that Tokyo Cyber Squad's actual saying is everybody's different everybody's special but that really does speak everyone's welcome to me as well and like I told LB earlier I like that is I think that's the lasting image of Hanukkah for me just a spark of joy who is there for anybody who needed somebody. Even if it was just someone to latch on to through pro wrestling. They that is a that is a still a very, very powerful thing. Um, and yeah, we won't know everything. We never we never will. We won't know everything about her, much less what Factored into this, but um, we know what we can work toward, and we know what we can try to change, and we know what we can call out uh, moving forward here. Um, so, with that, um, we will um, say goodbye for this week, um, but we do have to say some thank yous before we get out of here. Um, First off, the Progress Pride Flag Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. Um, big thank you to Sarah and Safeword for our theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on Spotify and sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, they just had a new music video come out. Um, in the past week or two over on their YouTube channel and pretty sick awesome stuff as always from friends of the show Sarah and the Safe Word um, and of course if you're into video gaming every Monday night 8pm Eastern 5pm Pacific uh, I co-host the uh, Mr. Video Game Super Show over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment um, that 
it's basically just 90 minutes to two hours of me and a couple of um, good friends really just running through the week's video gaming news and giving analysis and opinions and just trying to have some fun while also remaining critical and in, in looking at an industry that we all love. And, and uh, it's a good time. So that's Mondays, 8 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Lord, I'm getting mixed up here. 5 p.m. Pacific um, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. Um, yeah, so... Um, with all the thank yous done, um, I'm going to throw one more out there. Um, thank you, Hanakamura. And rest in peace. Yeah, this doesn't feel right to do the normal sign-off this week, so um, in lieu of that, everybody is different. Everybody is special. Everybody is welcome. Yes, sir. Godspeed.